Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Content Creators College. My name is Jim Parsons. I am your host. Today's lesson is all about pathways leading to other pathways. We've got a very special guest on with us today. His name is Alan Mitchell. You may know him as Low Tide if you're a hockey fan, especially in the Edmonton Oilers market. And by the way, people who are listening to this, they now know that I am a big sports fan. I've probably told you a few times there's going to be a recurring theme every once in a while with this show where we talk about sports. Well, I had a chance to chat uh, with Alan Mitchell, who has written a brand new book uh, that is fantastic. It's absolutely awesome. It's called On the Clock, Edmonton Oilers Behind the Scenes with the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL Draft. So we got a chance to talk to him, but we didn't just talk about the book. We talked about everything from his journey in radio to blogging. He started a blog, which became one of the most popular blogs in Edmonton, Alberta, about the Edmonton Oilers. It was huge. When blogging was first getting going, he was early on the scene which is always a really key advantage. He grew that, scaled that, it opened up other doors of opportunity. He went back and did some more radio. He got a job with The Athletic. If you're a sports fan, you know that outlet, that uh, platform, The Athletic, is is hugely popular. And he's been doing all of these things, and now this book has come out where he talks about the history of the Edmonton Oilers with the NHL draft. But the point of this episode was to talk to him about his journey, about how one thing led to another, and it just... It all spawned off of each other, and that's what content creation will do. You can go in one lane and then open up a door to another one and really get involved in something else. And so this is that interview. I hope that you enjoy. It is Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, uh, blogger, radio host, and author of Edmonton Oilers on the clock behind the scenes with the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL Draft. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another episode. I've got a very special guest on with me this episode and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about him. His name is Alan Mitchell. You may know him as Low Tide. Uh, he is a very popular online personality who covers the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he's host of Low Tide and Jameson, Montes and 1260, uh, writes for The Athletic. If you know The Athletic, then you probably have seen his work. And uh, he's now got a brand new book out. So we're going to be talking to him uh, all about his journey and getting into this world, how long he's been doing it, things like that, and then the book. So, Alan, how you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. What would you prefer that I go by? Should I call you Alan? Should I call you Low Tide? What do most people call you? You know, honestly, uh, I, I get Low Tide a lot. I get Alan a lot. So I, I usually respond to anything. So okay. uh, LT, whatever is easier, whatever you feel more comfortable doing. Sure. Well, I got familiar with you as Low Tide. I started reading your blog uh, quite a few years ago. I cover a lot of sports, but I also am a big fan of the Edmonton Oilers. So that's how I came across your work. And you've been doing that since 2005. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think it was 03. And then I, I, I accidentally deleted the blog after two years and lost a lot of stuff. But it's, the current version has been up since 05. So what got you, is that the first real focus that you had when it came to creating content and talking about the Edmonton Oilers? Was it the blog or were you long into this world part of that? You know, for me, it was kind of a weird situation in that um, I had, we had kids in the mid nineties. And so my lifestyle changed a lot from, uh, you know, after work, maybe, you know, golfing or, you know, going for a drink or whatever. I was I was going to the, you know, the park and, and you know, pushing people on swings. And I'd be home like at eight o'clock at night and, and really nothing to do. So I went online and I, I sort of went in search of hockey 
conversation, but I didn't know what it looked like. And I found HF boards right in the beginning of their their process. So it was it was like one long uh, thread for all of the teams, and you just kind of jumped in on a subject when you wanted to. And that was my introduction to it. And I didn't start blogging until my daughter asked me, maybe 2002 or something like that, if she could blog. And I said no, because I thought it cost money. And when I found out it didn't at that time, I thought, what the heck? I'll I'll try myself, and that sort of that sort of sort of began my transition from just commenting at HF boards, which I really appreciated. I learned a lot there uh, into the blogosphere, uh, which is where I sort of got my start. Now, would you say that the passion that you had for getting into this was strictly Edmonton Oilers related, or was it sports related, or what made you decide that you know the low tide blog, if that was always what it was called, uh, was the direction that you wanted to go in? Well, two things happened. Number one, I I, I, I did look for baseball uh, conversation online, but I didn't find it. And I found uh, Oil Fans, which was another Oiler blog or Oiler comment uh, place, and I found uh, HF Boards. And I, I increasingly, I just felt like I, I, I wanted to write something longer form. And... I would have written it about baseball, but I, I was mad at baseball. <laughs> so, so I, I ended up writing about hockey and about the Oilers. And so low tide started in 2003 as me just kind of goofing around. But as it turned out, I was one of the first blogs about the Oilers. And, and as you know, getting there early is, has its advantages. And uh, so by the time, a bunch of other blogs emerged when the Otis had their cup run in 05, 06. I'd been around for a couple of years and, and uh, people had been reading me. So I had a little bit of a head start. Now, you're a big Expos fan, is that correct? Yes, sir. So did you ever consider when you started getting into Low Tide and the blog and the success that you found early on that might you, you might want to replicate that with the baseball stuff? Or was it just... I'm I've got I'm up to my ears in this. I'm enjoying it too much. I really love what I'm doing. There's probably not time to run two blogs. No, I, I you know what I did was I I incorporated my my I sort of married my love of baseball numbers, which is who comes from Bill James, who who really had a lot to do with with opening my eyes about numbers and what they can tell us about sports and, and individual players. And so I, I sort of tried to marry the, my knowledge of Bill James and baseball math with hockey math. I was never uh, particularly good at that area, uh, but I, I landed on a bunch of uh, really smart people who are now mostly in the NHL, like Tim Barnes, who was with the Ever- Reverend Oil fans and uh, Tyler Dello, who was at MC 79 hockey and I learned a tremendous amount from them and people like Cam Thompson and uh, Maratha Tesh and Dennis King uh, and later John Willis, Bruce McCurdy uh, and others uh, who, who happened by the blog. So I, I sort of started out in a, with the idea of marrying the two. And then I found people who were far more advanced than me. And I just tried to catch up. I was basically a, uh, paddling as fast as I can to learn about half as half what they were putting down. Oh, that's awesome. We, when we do our content creating classes, we teach a lot about niching down and finding kind of that voice, that uh, specific area that is a strength of yours. Now, would you say that marrying the baseball numbers and the hockey numbers, the math of those two things, was that 
would you categorize that as a niche for your blog? Yeah, I, I think there's a few things that made my my blog unique uh, then and now. One is that I that I write in a certain way about the past, and I sort of layer that into the the current. Like I'll talk about old Oilers teams, or maybe an experience from my own childhood, and I'll I'll place that at the top, and then I'll talk about something that's somewhat related in in oiler hockey with the rest of the piece. I do that with my athletic stuff and, and also in the, in the book as well. Um, and that seemed to be my niche where I would layer in stories from my personal life, past Oilers history, and then make some kind of point that hopefully made sense about the team currently. And the other thing that I did, and I think it was probably the biggest reason that I had success is that I went counter to most of the other blogs who were very, interested in um, limiting the number of people who would be able to not necessarily chime in, anybody could chime in, but they were talking at such a high level that I think that, that it was, you, you, you almost were maybe not highbrow is the wrong word, but you were, you were losing a lot of people who just could not catch up. And I, being one of those people, I recognized it very quickly. So my blog became devoted to trying to make difficult, ideas math ideas as simple as possible and um and then hopefully i and the audience would catch up which eventually happened with things like corsi and and fenwick and and all of those things now one of the things i noticed when i came across your blog for the first time was just the level of engagement the number of comments that were on most of the articles just the conversations that not only your readers were having with each other but you were having with them at what point, and I was going to ask you this anyway, at what point did you know that that blog, I mean, you said you got in early and that helped, but at what point did you know that the Low Tide blog had really come across something? Like this was going to be, I mean, maybe you won't call it a big deal. I'll call it a big deal. In the Edmonton Oilers landscape in the blogosphere, it was a very big deal. When did you know that? I think I knew that it was something more than nothing when uh, David Staples at the Edmonton Journal uh, called me up and said, I'd, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with you. And that would have been, I guess, after the 06 run, so maybe about 07 or so. And, you know, he said, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with you and talk to you. And he wrote an article uh, that may still be online about all of the, he called it Oilogosphere, or at least that's what it was called. And that's when I knew that I was part of something. And I didn't know where it was going to go. Honestly, I, I, I think that anybody who says, oh, this was all pre-planned is nuts. But I just was fascinated by what was being um, churned out every night on some of the other blogs, like, as I mentioned, MC79 Hockey or Reverend Oil Fans or Copper and Blue. Uh, and the the I'm going to forget a bunch of blog names and I apologize, but the every night there was something interesting happening. So if you didn't, if you weren't there as a part of it, you'd kind of catch up the next day and they were really asking questions in real time about, you know, what's more valuable is it should be all shots toward the net or just shots that hit the net. And so you get Corsi and Fenwick and, 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 you know, all of that happened in a, in a space of maybe a couple of years. And then it all began to, to, morph into other things guys were getting jobs i went back on the radio in in 09 uh and then uh it it's sort of i would say between 2010 and 2020 it became 
something that you could, uh, if not make a living from, at least supplement your living with. And I was just going to ask, I'm glad you brought that up because my next question was leading into going back on the radio because you had done that prior and uh, you went back. Now, was the blog your reintroduction to the radio or was that something that you had already considered doing prior to kind of the explosion of all of these blogs and yours included? No, from 2003, when I started the blog until uh, 09 or 10, I'll say, I was I just blogged and I were I worked in sales and radio sales uh, and and really enjoyed that. But they were completely separate entities. I had a, a work career and then my hobby, which was the blog. And then, you know, I'm raising kids and and doing all that stuff, trying to figure out, you know, math homework, which was, you know, really difficult. Um, even your grade eight was difficult for me. So um, but I. Uh, it's it's strange looking back now. I got onto the radio again by I I, I uh, sold the folks at Oilers Nation a two hour Saturday show on at that time t- I believe it was Team Twelve Sixty, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going to have a host, and then the host fell through, and so the the program manager said, "Well, you host it," and I said, "I'm a top forty radio guy. I you know I I can." intro a song and hit a post and yell loud. And if you give me some reverb, it'll sound pretty cool, but I'm not really a, a sports talk host. And they said, well, you know, give it a try. You're the only person who is available to do it. And I did. And I found that I enjoyed it very much. And uh, so that second part of the career began then. And then within, I would say a couple or three years, I was on the air full time and I was no longer in sales and I had the blog and, and then about 2017, I believe the athletic came along and then recently I had an opportunity to write a book. Perfect. Well, I'm, I want to get into the athletic here in just a second, but I would like to ask you with the radio and the blog, we teach a lot of things about being able to sort of cross over and these things, how well they marry together. Uh, How did you find that that affected the blog or how did the blog affect the radio show and vice versa? Well, I, I, because I, you know, in radio, you will learn how to promote things. And so I used the, the blog as a chance to promote the daily show. I, you know, uh, like this morning on, on the blog I have that we're going to be talking to Bruce Arthur, uh, and, uh, uh, Glenn Suter. And then, you know, we would be adding guests as the day goes on. And so I use that as a kind of a tee up and a teaser and then hope that the people would be interested enough to tune in at 10 o'clock. So it's it's sort of an early promo and it's worked well for me. So that cross promotion uh, has, has and, and the other way, too, if I interview somebody of interest, I would be able to maybe grab a clip or two or some kind of really brief um, verbal that I would use the next day on the blog. So it's, it's not cheating really, but it is being, uh, I think, um, I think it's being smart because you want your audience to, uh, realize that you're, you're doing things that are interesting and they might miss something on the radio show and vice versa. If they don't go to the blog, they might, they might miss something as well. Yeah, I wouldn't call it cheating at all. I think it's a genius. I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. Did it change the way that you constructed and thought about your content for your blog once you had the radio station? Uh, not really. I, I'm I'm pretty um, I'm pretty traditional in what I 
what I write. I'm, I'm, um, I would say I'm not a long form writer per se. I think I write, uh, in, in segments. I think people consume in segments too. So I might have four or five different, uh, subjects on each of my blog posts in the morning. But if you read my athletic article tomorrow, it'll be somewhat similar and there's three or four different headings and each one is important to the story, but it doesn't necessarily all flow as one. So you, you sort of have to read each piece separately and at the end you might reach a conclusion. So I, I still really follow the same format or style, but only because I think that's how readers digest it. I, I, I can do free flow, long form, but when I do, people get irritated. When you moved to the athletic, you said 2017, correct? Yeah, I believe that is the day. Yeah. Was that part of the, because there was at one point the athletic had really expanded, like they had really found a market. And I think it, it, they might still be, but they were one of the most uh, credentialed platforms in terms of writers going in and getting access to teams. And they just really exploded in the hockey market and really went out there and searched down some pretty, uh, you know, famous writers, if that's a, uh, for lack of a better term. Was that part of when you went over there or was this something that you had kind of always said, you know what, that would be a really neat opportunity for me to do. How did that all come about? You know, when they, when they first dropped into Edmonton, uh, I believe, and I, I could be wrong, but I, my recollection is John Willis was already the writer and I think he was editor or going to be editor. Uh, and I, I was contacted by James Myrtle out of Toronto. And he said, you know, want to write a, an article a week. And I said, great. So I started that and we had good response. So I, I, um, wrote more and now I'm, I, I, you know, I write quite often a few times a week and I've been doing that since 2017 and it's been very lucrative for me. And, and I believe for the athletic as well, it's been a good relationship and, uh, they have fantastic editors and it's a really nice platform to be on because it has a lot of cachet, but I, I really appreciate writing for the athletic because I think they give you, I've never once been told what to write or, or that I should, uh, tweak something or that I've gone too far or my opinion needs to be tempered or I'm too enthusiastic or I'm not enthusiastic enough. I, I write and, and they either endure or, or like what I do. And I, I really appreciate that because it's, it's, it's not difficult, but once you get a, I like to, to write where I like the, 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 the article I'm doing tomorrow is about the professional hockey writers association and whether or not they, they just become uh, like not bored, but, but they become so used to great seasons from Connor McDavid and, and do they reach a point where they have, you know, voter fatigue? Are they just simply, you know, Oh yeah, McDavid had another great year, but look at this Matthews guy. And so I kind of examine that. I look at it two or three different ways. And what I like to do is ask myself a question that I don't know the answer to. And then I write it, I digest it. And then I come up with a summary that concludes whatever, my findings as it were, although that makes it sound a little bit more, you know, um, professional than it is. I'm just trying to find out the numbers and what I think are the, the pertinent points. And that's how I write. So, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, just in terms of where you come up with some of the ideas, 
that you come up for? Because we get this question a lot from the, the students that we, we work with. And uh, I just did a webinar the other week about uh, coming up with content ideas and things like that. So when you're coming up with the material that you want to talk about, is it really just the things that fascinate you? Or do you really take a look at what your audience might, uh, what, what they might enjoy? Do you look at trends? Do you look at what's happening in the market and what might be a relevant topic to talk about? Or are you kind of focusing, you know what, I'd like to read this. I think other would like to, others would like to read it too. I learned early on that I, what I do is I plan my week. So uh, for the athletic, I write four stories. So I will plan that. And then I'll, I'll, during the regular season, obviously the games have great importance, but I, I, I do listen to people who want to, you know, they say, well, I'd like to know about this, or could you write about this? But that doesn't happen so much anymore. Um, it did in the olden days, but what, what I do is, and, and this is, this goes back to being as wide as you can be. Like you want to be, you know, some people think you should be focused just on the, 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 the specifics of say analytics. I tried to write as wide as I could. And that is bringing in people who like, you know, the, my style of writing or that they're Oilers fans or that they think that, that there's great comments on the blog, whatever. I wanted to have something every day that was uh, compelling and what I did was really at the beginning of the blog in 2003 is I said, okay, what are the important, not necessarily dates, but times right now we're just on the bridge of, of cut downs and waivers and trades and finalizing rosters. Well, I write about that a lot, like a lot. And then I write about the draft a lot and I write about rookies a lot and line changes and players who are uh, eroding. And, but I, I have them at particular times of year that I do them. And the reason I do that is people don't want to hear about the draft in July and August after the draft. Mm -hmm. They, They like to hear about it leading up to. So I kind of slot them all in based on what, uh, what I think they might be interested in. And the other thing that I do is I never read, if I see a story, I, I'm a big fan of Bruce McCurdy at the Cult of Hockey of the Edmonton Journal. And I'll see him, he's written a story. And uh, if I'm writing a story that I think is in any way similar in content, I will not read it. And the reason I won't read it is I don't ever want to, you know, and I, and I think it can happen. I don't want to um, inadvertently take something from his piece and put it into mine. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't read it. And then if we end up copying each other, then it's, it's luck of the draw and that is going to happen. But it, 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 if you stay away from things that you're writing about as you write them, you'll have more original content. And I, I, I do think that's the number one rule. You know, whatever you find interesting, you should pursue within whatever Avenue you're in. But make sure it's you're not riffing off somebody else. And I said riff as in R-I-F-F, not R-I-P-P. And the 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 reason you do that is I think that you I think people appreciate that and they respond to it if it's an original thought. No, I 100 percent agree. Uh, and one of the things you mentioned there was your uh, passion for the draft and anybody who reads your material knows uh, how much you like the NHL draft. So that leads us into your new book, uh, which is called On the Clock, Edmonton Oilers, Behind the Scenes with the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL Draft. And it was just released on September 27th, if I have that date correct. Yep. 
what was the impetus behind doing that book? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Is it something that you were asked to do? Where did the inspiration for this come from? Well, I, I, I've always been interested in the NHL draft. Well, actually, uh, in, in 71, um, the, it was a weird Memorial Cup. Uh, you can read it online if you want. There was a, there, th- it was during the period of time that Quebec and English Canada weren't getting along. So a lot has changed since then. But the, the idea was that St. Catharines of the OHA, now the OHL, and the Quebec ramparts of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League were meeting and Edmonton was coming from uh, out west and they were all going to play in the Memorial Cup. And there were uh, riots and fights in the stands for the, the St. Catharines Quebec part of the series. And so it, it went from the sports pages to the front page and my dad started talking about it. And I, I'd always read the hockey news. It was always around at our house or at my grandma and grandpa's house. So it was something that I read, but I wasn't interested in the draft specifically that year. Guy Lafleur and Marcel Dion were the top players, both in that, in that series with St. Catharines, Dion played for them and Lafleur for the Ramparts. So that started my interest in the draft. And I followed it very closely from then on right through till today. And so about, Two years ago, maybe even a little more now, I got followed by uh, on Twitter by someone with um, Triumph Books. Uh, Bill Ames is his name, and he's a very, very nice gentleman. And he said, I, we have a book idea we would like you to write. And I said, great. Uh, give him my address, and he sent me the, the info. And it was more a book that I think a beat writer or a columnist who who was at the rink all the time, all day, every day, did never radio show would, would probably fit best. So I wrote him back and I said, I'd love to write a book, but I don't think this is the book I should write. It should be somebody else. And I, I gave him a couple of names of great writers like Daniel Nugent Bowman of the athletic. Uh, and I didn't expect anything back. And he wrote me back and he said, what, what would you like to write? And I gave him three ideas. And one of them was the draft book, which I, I, I guess I put it in there because I knew I could write it and I knew I could write it well. And it would be interesting because I've just collected so many anecdotes over the years. You know, I, I used to work when the Oilers rights for radio was in our building at CFRN. And I, I worked every day with John Short. Uh, and Rod Phillips, who was the play-by-play guy, would come and visit. I met all, almost all of the 80s Oilers. So I had stories that I could tell that I was there for or a part of that, that I, I just inserted into the book because I knew they were true. And I thought they were interesting. So the, the, the book that I wrote, I don't think will resemble other books, other on-the-clock books, but it's the book that I I envisioned, and I think there's a lot of good information in there for for people who are fans of the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, I've had a chance to to kind of go through it a little bit, and I'm just fascinated by uh, not only the story of the Edmonton Oilers because their story is so unique when it comes to the NHL draft, uh, but your your take on what that looked like in the early years. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about 
you know, just the fascination with the Oilers. I mean, the 1979, 1980, 81 drafts, they were unbelievable. Is anybody ever going to be able to do or replicate anything like that again? Probably not. The the Oilers were, you know, I, I grew up on the prairies. So the closest team to me when I was a kid was the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then I guess, you know, one of the, the California teams, but I never, I never thought I'd watch an NHL game live. And then Vancouver came in in 1970. And so I was a little closer, but I, I never got to see a game. And when 72 arrived and the orders were part of the WHA, then I absolutely became fascinated with them right away. And they weren't, I've got news for you. They weren't very good in the WHA. They were in the last, the final against Winnipeg in the last season of the WHA's existence. But previous to that, they weren't a very good team. And so I, I, but I did pay attention to their drafts. And in 79, when they came into the league, they, they got very lucky with Wayne Gretzky. The book's about drafting skill and Gretzky's the, the biggest skill guy going. So they got lucky there and, and whatever anybody thinks about the first owner, Peter Pocklington, that, that was a key element of them winning the five Stanleys and doing so well. But the book begins with Barry Fraser, who was the uh, scouting director at that time, delivering three stunning drafts in a row, 79, 80, and 81. And it vaulted the Oilers to, uh, I think the best team I've ever seen play was the 87 Oilers. So to me, the, the 79, 80, and 81 draft began what was a process that got them to 87 to win the Stanley there. They won two more after that. But the idea is that you want to do that again. And the Oilers, for whatever reason, and I talk about it a lot in the book, they were unable to repeat that, although some good things have been happening since 2013. Yeah, I mean, there's it's almost like a period of you know different eras for the Oilers in the way that they approached and, and handled the draft. They started uh, with one sort of direction on how they wanted to do things. Then they switched it up, as you mentioned in the book. And, you know, in the last few years, they've gone back to skill and drafting best player available and getting lucky again with Connor McDavid, things like that. Um, what was it like to cover and that wide range? So between the really, really solid years, the painful years, and now again, where it looks like the Edmonton Oilers are turning things around and going to be a contender in part based on how well they've drafted. Well, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's backwards. <laughs> the whole, the whole Oilers story in the NHL is back. It, it should have begun with the, the, you know, the humble beginnings. And then they, you know, ta-da, by about 2010, they start winning Stanley Cups. But they they won their first Stanley Cup five years after they entered the league. Mm-hmm. So when, when we were looking at, I remember watching that team and going, you know, am I nuts? Are they better than everybody I've ever seen before? And I finally thought, yeah, they are. That's how good they are. And then you had to, you had to, it's almost like there's a, if you imagine, uh, a, a, like a bell curve that goes up and down like a yo-yo from from 79 until 1990 they they began 79 by drafting brilliant talent and then by 1990 they drafted a bunch of players and none of them played in the NHL but on the other hand they started in 79-80 in the standings and they were low and they built up to 1990 when they won their fifth Stanley Cup in a row so you you kind of have a 
an X through the draft and the the success of the Stanley Cups. And so I, I think people would accept that. They understand the idea of rebuilding. But in 92 with Arnott, they started to rebuild again. It didn't get as high as you would want it to. Uh, and then they had another little just great success uh, in 0506, which involved some college players from the late 90s and Alish Hemsky from 2001. And then in 2010, they, they've had some false starts through that, that era, maybe even 27 with Gagne, where they draft a player, they bring him immediately to the NHL, and then he flounders. So it's it's been um, – it, it's like the opening scene of Groundhog Day where uh, uh, Bill Murray wakes up in bed and Sonny and Cher are, are singing, uh, I think it's I Got You, Babe. And it, it now your every day starts the same way. That was the Oilers for many years. I think they finally got off that carousel – in a little bit in 2016-17, and I think they're completely off of it now. I think they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So if I was writing a book, I would have moved 79 through 90 to the back of the book and started with the humble beginnings, but I didn't get to write it that way because, you know, I had to follow history. I have to ask, do you think that there will be another book down the road here, depending on what happens with this team? I mean, if they are as good as we all hope that they will be, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan in the Connor McDavid years and the drive, like, is there another book in the, this sort of realm of revisiting the draft post the, you know, McDavid years and to just revisit how they did? Oh, sure. I think it's a, it's a no brainer. And I, I have an idea for another book that's somewhat related, but I'll leave it to, to whether or not, uh, I, I I get an opportunity to write it, but but I I I think it's uh at the very least it's up it's it's worth an update five years from now. This is to me the 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 the, the McDavid Drysaddle nurse era is the the second most fascinating and could end up being the most fascinating era for Oiler fans because the seventy nine through ninety era is done and we look back in our elder years and we go, Oh my, but if you're a young fan and you're following the team now, this is really exciting. And I don't think they're going to win five Stanley cups, but the world is a different place. There were 21 teams in the NHL when the Oilers won their five Stanleys, there's 32 now. So if they win one or, or, you know, two, I think that would be a tremendous uh, accomplishment for this group. But if you look at the team they have now, if you look at what they have, uh, improved over the last, you know, say three years since Ken Holland got here. I think they're not that far away. And I think they could, I think there's three teams in Canada that could win the Stanley cup this year. And the Oilers are certainly one of them. No, it's going to be an incredible uh, season to watch for them. I have two questions before I let you go. Uh, first one, where can people pick up your book? Okay. It's available at the, I'm supposed to say this, all good uh, uh, bookstores will have it. And I know that sounds like, oh, sure. Yeah, right. But it's it's available pretty much everywhere. Uh, and then you can find it online at wherever you go shopping uh, for books. Uh, Amazon uh, is very popular. Uh, Indigo is very popular. Audrey's has it here uh, in town. And you can also uh, order it directly from Triumph Books. Just type in on the clock uh, Triumph Books and it'll show up there. And they are the direct... Uh, like they've got the books and they've got them printed. So that's possibly your best uh, bet. But I always like to buy books in a bookstore. So if you're like that, just go to your local bookstore and they'll be available. Perfect. Uh, and my final question, which I ask every guest that we ever have on the show, if you could 
give a piece of advice in a minute or less. And that's a tricky challenge sometimes, but for aspiring content creators, whether it's bloggers, uh, radio personalities, book writers, what would be a piece of advice that you might give them? Okay. I'm going to read you the dedication of my book. I say the book is dedicated to my mom, Lois Mitchell, my wife, Joanne, my children, Michael and Chelsea, having supported people all of my life has made difficult things possible. I'm forever grateful for each of them. So my advice is build your life around people who are positive. That doesn't mean that they lie to you. There are some home truths that need to be told to everybody. But if you have negativity in your life, just let it go. Just let it slide away. It'll go. But you have to be around people who are positive and supportive, not blindly so. And then the other thing is, and my mom taught me this when I was young, when I when I started uh, uh, thinking about writing when I was like 13 or 14, I said, I want to write. And she bought me a, a Smith Corona typewriter. That's how old I am. And some some white paper and some white out. And she said, OK, then you have to write every day. And believe me, I am the 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 one thing I did right was every day at 830 Mountain Time there's going to be a blog post up at low tide. And it's like the, I mean, it's like the rooster crowing in the morning time. If I miss it, people get mad as hell, but it's been going on for almost 20 years now. And it's sort of my calling card that tomorrow morning, people are going to wake up and they may not like it, but they're going to read something about the Edmonton orders and they're going to be able to get on there and tell me why I'm wrong. And that is the most popular activity on my blog. That's awesome. That's such a good answer. I appreciate that very much. Uh, for everybody who's listening, once again, this is Alan Mitchell, uh, a.k.a. Low Tide. He's got a brand new book out called On the Clock, Edmonton Oilers Behind the Scenes with the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL Draft. You can also listen to him on TSN 1260 every afternoon with Dave Jameson. Uh, Alan, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to do this and letting our listeners in a little bit on your story, uh, what you got going on. And uh, I really look forward to talking to you again down the road. Oh, I look forward to it as well. I just want to apologize to you. I know you tried to follow me on Facebook. I can't remember my password, but when I do, <laughs> I promise to follow you back. That's all good. Not a problem at all. Thank you again for your time. Uh, have a fantastic uh, rest of your evening. You too, sir. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Well, everybody, that was our interview with Alan Mitchell, Low Tide of The Athletic and TSN 1260, and his brand new book that we had a blast talking about. It just goes to show you that if you have a passion for something, if you have an interest in something and you decide to write or create content about the thing that you are the most passionate about, but you also pay attention to what your readers, your audience, your customers are wanting and the timing in which you release that information, the sky is the limit. The potential is unbelievable. And Alan has shown with many, many platforms, because I have a feeling his book is going to become the number one bestseller here uh, in his specific niche. But his blog was one of the most popular blogs in all of Canada. He's one of the most read authors on The Athletic, and his book is going to be a huge smashing hit. So uh, it just goes to show you that when you get into something and you have a passion for it, and by the way, his marrying hockey numbers to baseball numbers really set him apart from a lot of other writers and a lot of other content creators. And that's one of the keys here to success is finding your lane, figuring out what you're good at, what you like, and you know connecting with your readers and presenting it in a way. And if you ever want to see a blog that is super successful because of the engagement and the readers and the communication between the person creating the blog and the people who are reading the blog, you need to check out his blog, lowtide.ca, because there is so much 
uh, interaction between those two sides. It's unbelievable. Uh, really awesome. Thank you very much again. Please don't forget, you can download, subscribe, uh, share this with others. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I'm essentially still a very new podcast, so anything that you can do for me to help me out in that regard and get the show uh, listened to by as many people as possible, love it. Absolutely appreciate it all the time. Thank you to all my fellow content creators. Until we have uh, another episode, this has been another edition of Content Creators College. Have a great one. (laughs) 